All right. Well, hey, everyone. Time for Puzzle Talk, the geocaching puzzle podcast brought to you by the Geocache Talk Network. If you'd like to become a patron, click on the Become a Patron link on the front page of the Geocache Talk website or head on over to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk for more details. Patrons get the now famous blackout coins and other geocaching items during the year, as well as bonus content and invites, special events only for patrons. Support levels start at as little as Bison Tube level, which is $3 a month. And here are your hosts, Charles Watkins and Tom Brotherman. Take it away, gentlemen. Was he talking to us? <laughs> I, I guess so. Gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Uh, uh, take it away, boys. <laughs> All right. What are we going to talk about tonight? Oh, yeah, man. Exciting stuff. It, it is. And, you know, we're glad to be back after two weeks off. Uh, we enjoyed the gadget talk in the meantime, but uh, glad to be back. Glad to get on here. And uh, we, hopefully tonight we'll bring you some more tips, tricks, and tools uh, to be able to decode and decipher whether, whether you have a cipher or not. Um, and at least that's tonight's goal is, is, is the puzzle cache that you're looking at and working on, is it actually a cipher? Right. I, I can tell you that one tool you put up to, for tonight, I had never seen before, and that sucker's useful. Oh, yeah. The box one or which one? Yeah, yeah, the box one. It's a, it's a, it's a text analyzer that it, it's not perfect. I'll, I'll throw that out there. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's a big help. But it will get you in the ballpark. Um, so, um, that thing right there, that, 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 <laughs> Here, I'll, that I'll, is super, that is I'll, a super useful way tool. down there. Uh, I can, I can bring it up if you guys want to talk about it and I can just be your, your hands here for that. But let me, let oh, me bring, I got it brought up. You got it brought up. Okay. We'll do a screen share yeah. of it and, uh, I'll bring it up on the screen for you. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get to a cache that I actually use this on. It's not a, a perfect. Oh, nice. Um, it's not perfect, but it works. So okay. cool. It at least will get you in the ballpark. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to grab this. It's a puzzle cache that a local geocacher um, created. And uh, we talked to him and he said that I could share it. And so. Cool. We're going to go ahead and do that. So let me screen share. Yep. And tab. And then I'll, I'll bring it up for you. There we go. Share. There you go. Perfect. So this is, this is what the website looks like. Um, it is a cipher text analyzer. Oh, um, neat. And so it, when you come down through here, it gives you, all kinds of different, there's your Atabash, your Caesar Cipher, your Mono Alphabetic, your Visionaire, an Auto Key Cipher for your Visionaire, uh, the Beaufort, Playfair, Columnar Transposition. So it's got a, it analyzes a bunch of different stuff, right? Right. Well, um, you had Base64, which that's not a cipher. That's, well, that, that's jumping 
to next week. <laughs> right. So, cool, though. Um, so if you come up here to the top mm-hmm. and you take, and I'm going to take the text that you found that I found on the cash page, right? Post it in here, right? And then you hit analyze text, and it's going to tell you this is what they think it's going to be. Oh, okay. Uh, after they've analyzed it, they think. You know, 73 votes gives it the monoalphabetics substitution cipher. Okay. Right? And then a Caesar cipher and then a Viginaire, four square. Right? And so you can see statistically how many votes it gives it as to how confident they are as to what type of cipher you're dealing with. Now, it's funny because this one – that I posted is actually a visionaire. Oh, okay. But it's in the top three. So I guess you would just go down the list, right? Right. And so it's not perfect, but it's going to give you the ballpark of what they think it is. Right. And so if you take just about any cipher text and throw it into this, and I've done it in the past two weeks as we're building the show notes and kind of threw stuff in there just to see some of them and, Partly because this is such a short um, string of text, and because it has it has a couple of spaces in it. Mm-hmm. You know, right here it's got a space, and right here it's got a space. Right. So if you put all of this in here, if you put all of this cipher text in without any spaces, it comes up as the Viginaire cipher every time. But because there are spaces in it. Um, it, it doesn't do that. So it's, it's just one of those, it's a tool. It's not perfect, but it puts you in the ballpark just about every time. That's slick. I like that. Yeah. The first one I put in there, it it didn't have a clue, but I thought, okay, well let's try something else. And then, yeah, it, you know, like I said, it doesn't do everything, but just knowing what you find out right there, that, I mean, if you don't know anything about ciphers, that's a major help. Oh, right. No, you're right. Exactly. Uh, and just to let everybody know, we're going to take all the tools, and I know that Jeff May created a nice uh, wiki page for it, so we might try to expand it and also put a link to it on the on the geocache talk page uh, under the column or under the uh, category of puzzle talk to kind of help everybody too. So it's coming, it's not there yet, but we'll, we'll have it all kind of updated for that soon. Right. Yeah. And so this thing is, is a, is a handy tool. If it, like Tom said, if you're drawing a blank and you don't even have a clue as to where to start, if what you're looking at just looks like gibberish. Yep. Which, which, no lie, when I first started doing some of this, gibberish. Right. I, I hadn't a clue. Um, but I stumbled onto this, and it helped me at least categorize. So now I can take my text and put it into a Caesar shift cipher tool and go down and see if anything comes up. Right. Well, nothing will. But if you put it into a, into a Viginaire cipher decoder tool, It'll decode it. And the fun thing about this is it will tell you what the code word is. Oh, wow. Boy, that's, so that's, I, that's I have a, 
if you go to the, and we talked about this in the very first show that, or maybe the second that I was gone for, but the geocaching toolbox.com has a visionaire cipher tool that will decode it without having the keyword. Wow. And in the end, we'll tell you what the keyword was. Wow. That's cool. And that's a big deal. Cool. But half the battle is knowing what kind of cipher you're playing with. Yeah. Or even if it is a cipher, which I think is, um, or if it's part even of, a cipher. Yeah. Yeah. Part of what we're talking about tonight. Um, excellent. You know, that's, um, yeah, that's, that is awesome. So, um, yeah, it, it's a handy tool and, um, you know, like I said, it, it's it's not perfect, but if you're if you're sitting there looking at it and kind of doing like this, yep, get maybe a it may be a great place to start for you. Right. So uh, you got a couple of other online tools. Is that something you just want to use having there for reference, or did you want to mention what you got there? Um. Yeah, I'll uh, bum bum bum. bum. Let me. Uh, so the next one that I have is um, field manual 34-40-2. And um, if, if you know, uh, field manual is used by the Department of the Army. Um, this one has been put online by the University of Michigan. And let me see here. Yeah, for this, he went from the simple to the PhD stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Popped over to the, the more intense stuff, huh? This is the military's basic crypto analysis field manual. Oh, my gosh. And this has all kinds of stuff. And and the good thing about this and and it's it's intense. There's a lot of information in this manual, but it's written so that a private in the army with zero education in this will be able to read it and understand it, hopefully. Right. Um, you know, and so if you jump to like chapter one, it's going to tell you, you know, it gives you just basic definitions. Oh, okay. Right. And so ciphers and codes. So there's a difference between a cipher and a code, right? Um, and then this goes into the difference between ciphers and codes um, in, in ciphered codes um, and, and takes you through. There's a lot of stuff that um, this manual takes you through. Right. Um, you know. Huh. Cipher. Ciphers and codes, you know, codes that would make a that make a pretty cool show, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's the plan for, for next week. Well, what do you know? That's the, the show next week is codes. codes. Well, ciphers and code, ciphers and code, isn't that like geeks and nerds? Same thing? No, a little different. No, close, close. Oh, yeah. I'm a geek, but is it oh. like? Is it like? The only people who care about the difference between geeks and nerds is geeks and nerds. Geeks and nerds, yeah, kind of. No, nah, there's a there's a big difference between a cipher and a code. Is there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So next week we are going to just we're going to decipher codes. That's a bad way to put it. We're going to discuss. We're going to discuss codes. codes. I like it. Right. Code, so code discussion. 
Um, so the one thing about this army manual is that it does both ciphers and codes. Um, you can see down here at part six, uh -huh. um, in chapter 14, you click on it. Here's types of codes and it just, and it breaks it down and explains to you that this is, this is what codes are. This is what codes were used for, at least for the military's part of this. Um, and that, um, which is where all, most of this stuff started from, right? Most of this started because you wanted to try to make some type of military decision, send it out on the front line, but not have your enemies be able to know what you were saying if they intercepted it. So everything was done in some type of hidden message, cipher, or code that you knew the key to so you could decipher it, you know, and uh, that's part of the way that most militaries uh, either won a war or lost a war is because their codes and ciphers got intercepted, got cracked, and the other side figured out what was going to happen before it happened. Yeah, I like the fact that um, somebody – very smart, uh, figured out that during World War II that most of the, of the American, American uh, like the Japanese and, and various uh, enemies of America during the war, they did not, uh, they did not understand Navajo. So, so they had the wind talkers who could, yeah, who could absolutely. Speak speak Navajo and none of them knew how to even think about what language is that? Cause it's not <laughs> which yeah. is perfect. And Lin Linden so, brought up Enigma. Exactly. That's another example of. Absolutely. Um, the other good thing about this website for the, that the university put up here for yeah. um, this field manual, obviously this is declassified. Um, and so there's no problem with it being out on the World Wide web. So before somebody, <laughs> kind of jumps around about that. This this is a declassified manual, um, and they've actually got a newer version of it since 1996 when this version that's online was published. Um, but it's available in a PDF format. Oh, nice. So then, then you can download it as a PDF. You can hit Control-F and search for certain keywords through, sure. throughout it um, and bring that stuff up. So it's a really handy... Um, website if you want to dig a little deeper into some of this stuff. Um, right. And, and some of it from a military aspect. So that's cool. Um, so da, 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 da. I like it. And then and as deep as that is, if, if that's public, that means there's stuff that's even deeper that isn't public. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still good stuff for, for puzzle cash. Right. Yeah. So, and then there's one more. Um, most of my notes came from, uh, this, um, practical cryptography, um, website. Right. Um, let me, and this, and this, and share. Um, 
So it goes over several different types right here at the top and gives you things that you can look for. It's in the show notes. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm putting them in the chat room too, just so people can kind of play along. Right. Um, but we'll go, we'll go over um, this top portion up here in the show today. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but it is in the show notes and um, it's in the chat now. So, um, people have it and can bring it up to follow along. And so yeah. with that, we'll get rid of that. Cool. So like good tools. Yeah. A couple of quick online one way, way, yeah, w- way over there. Um, <laughs> but a couple of them fairly easy tools to, to, to use and identify and be able to, um, help put you in the ballpark for where you need to be. Yeah. And Lyndon brought up about the geocaching toolbox. Yeah. We talked about that uh, last week, but yeah, that's, that's a good one to have in your own toolbox is, is that website. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people, Hughes mentioned about, you know, not, not good at these kind of puzzles. That's, 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 that's why the show, you know, is here. You know, that's something also that I, I, I know you guys were going to, will probably mention, but I think this is a good, good moment to mention it. And that is part of the, part of the thing of what, of why you guys I know have, uh, you know, a passion for doing, doing this podcast is really, it is really twofold. One is helping people to go, I don't know what to do with this cash. I don't know what to do with it. I need help. But also, hopefully, people will see this and go, oh, you know, I could hide something like that and, and, and have some fun with it. Uh, I did one recently in my area because in Greenville, Texas, there are, there are no puzzle caches except if I put one out. So I put, <laughs> one, out, put one out recently because and a couple people have found it, you know, but maybe people are in the same boat. I mean, where they live, it's like there are no puzzle caches near them. So maybe create one and maybe the excitement of that will people will kind of get interested and it'll sort of, it'll snowball from there. Yeah. I'm fortunate. I'm in a puzzle rich environment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. Yeah. There was a cashier who reached out to me um, on Twitter the other day and was having problems with a puzzle that a local cash owner had put out and um, between the time that I looked at it and kind of got back to them about it, they had already I asked the CO enough about this to um, end up with the final coordinates for the puzzle Um, and, and they shared the final coordinates with me but I'm still not sure how the cash owner got to that. And it sounds like somewhere wow. in the puzzle, they, the cash owner did something kind of a little different. Uh, Will. And so I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me um, on that and say, Hey, I'm having a problem with this. And I've been able to look at it and, and fairly quickly say, Hey, so if you, you know, just give them a, you know, I've just lent them a hint. Right. So, you know, this is, this is what you're looking at. That's cool. 
and, and then they kind of go from there. So uh, hopefully in this, um, you know, people can reach out to us. We, you know, we have the, the email address. Um, so, you know, if you have uh, questions, I'll bring it you up. Know, there you can, go. Good you name. Can email us at puzzle tap puzzle talk podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'll, we'll give it a stab and, and see what happens with it. Um, you can reach out to me on uh, Instagram or Twitter, and I will do my best to take a look at it and try to help guide you in the right way. Um, you know, and so, and hopefully it's a learning experience. You enjoy solving them now that they're not such a mystery right. to you. And, um, you know, you can get one, you can get one in and hide a new cash locally somewhere. Yep. Sean mentioning she's new to it. 455. That's a good, that's respectable. Don't, don't think that's a baby casher. I mean, everybody has their own opinion as to what a, a newbie is. I replied uh, back. We all started at zero. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think one of the things that, I think you guys even mentioned this, but you know, it, it, it's kind of overwhelming when you start looking at all the puzzle caches that might be around you. I did that when I was at work. I started looking at all the puzzle caches like, Oh, I don't know where to start. And then I stepped back and thought about it. I thought, well, I remember what Tom told me, which is start with an easy one mm-hmm. right forward, you know? So I searched through them to, to find a, a difficulty one or as close to a difficulty one as I could. And, um, you know, I got, I, I figured it out and kind of worked my, you know, so I'm not up to anything, uh, ex, uh, you know, incredibly hard yet, but I find them addicting. Is that what you guys would say? I, I, I'm going to argue with you there, Gary. Okay. Argue. Just because it was easy for you doesn't mean it's not going to be hard for me. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, I was working on the Fix Fizzy up in, um, what is it, South Dakota? Um, up where uh, Zach has all of his 81 grid puzzle. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one of his is a difficulty five, I don't know, terrain three, terrain three and a half, whatever it is. I got in there and looked at the cash page and immediately knew how to solve it. Exactly where to go. Right. And I had it solved. I've I've been working with a buddy of mine up in Wyoming to, to get all of these done. Eventually we'd like to take a road trip and go get them all. But I looked at that and within 30 seconds of looking at it, I had the web page up that I needed to have up to solve it, had the information plugged in and within 60 seconds of pulling the cash page up, had the answer. Nice. But I'll tell you, had I not solved one like that <laughs> several weeks before, I'd still probably be sitting there staring at it, scratching my head. So I think I, think I mentioned on the first show I was working on one. I couldn't get the thing. I had no clue what to do with it, and called the wife, called Cheryl over, and said, "Hey, can you know, can come look at this thing and see if you know how to solve it." And she got off the couch, came over, stood behind me for about ten seconds, looked at it, and said, "Yeah, I know how to solve it." And then she went and sat back down on the couch. Just like, ah, left you there. Left Let's me hanging there for a little bit. And then the go, said. I like that. Well, and, uh, you know, 
there's nothing that says, and you guys think talked about this too, but something also for people, if you don't have any around you or you've solved them all or whatever, there's nothing that says you can't hunt the world for a puzzle cache. doesn't mean you have to go find it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. After the very first show, I had a guy who posted a note on one of my puzzle caches that I have. It's not a hard one. Right. It's a terrain five, but the difficulty's a three, I think. Two and a half or a three. Right. He posted a note on there, said, hey, watched your first show, decided to check out one of your puzzles. I I solved it, but there are 1,447 reasons why I'm not going to get there to to sign the cash page. Right? Right. So you know, that's 1,500 miles. Um, oh, there's people. I, that's, what they, that's what they do, right? You guys? I mean, they're, well, they're yeah. first to solve or FTS. Is that still a thing, I guess? But on some, on some of them, it is. Um, the world's oldest unsolved puzzle cache recently was solved. I say recently. Within the last four or five months, it was solved um, over in Utah and that thing, or Idaho. And it was somewhere outside of the Boise, Idaho area and had been a puzzle cache for, I don't know, 12, 13 years went unsolved. Um, Wow. And it was something, 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 it's all Phil's fault. Um, And it was a, I mean, and I still, I look at it today and I'm like, I still don't know (laughs) where to even start with this, but I look at it all the time. And now that somebody has solved it, I'm like, all right, I've been slacking, but I, you know, I do that when I go on vacations. Um, we sure. went down to Cayman, the Cayman Islands, Grand Cayman. Right. I had before we went down there, I had solved the three puzzles on the one side of the island that we knew we were going to be visiting. You right. know, and one of them was a Pi Day puzzle that the Pi Day calculator that you guys pulled up that day that right. I was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the tool that I use to solve it, you know? And so I knew right off the bat that when I got there, I at least had three puzzle caches solved and could go find them. So even if I couldn't find any of the rest of them, <laughs> I at least had them solved and knew where to go. Right. Nice. So I guess the next thing is, is getting into this is, so where do you start? Right. So where do you start? Right. Um, one of the things is character counting. Um, yeah, I saw that in the notes. You'll have to definitely explain what that is. So character counting, um, if you've got a, a cipher code that's A-A-A-A-A-A, A-A-A-A-A-B, A-B-B-B-A, B-B-B-A-A, there are only two characters. That's more or less... Similar to binary, right? But it's sure. called Bacon. It's called a Baconian style cipher, right? right? Um, it was developed by Francis Bacon in 1605, right? And he used um, in this there. Yeah. So here's our our <laughs> our Baconian style cipher, right? Um, there are two Baconian alphabets. Right, one where it combine with twenty-four letters in the right. alphabet, where they combine J and I, or they combine V and U, 
or well, they combined J and I into one code and then they combined V and U into one. So it makes a 26 letter alphabet into 24 letters. Okay. Right? And then they have another one that is a full 26 letter alphabet. And in this, each letter is a five digit code. Right. And so you got to know whether you're dealing with the, oh, okay. You got to know whether you're dealing with the 24 character alphabet or the 26 character alphabet. Dang. Right. And because it, it obviously gives you two completely different results. Right. So, but there's an online tool that'll help you solve this. <laughs> um, but if you see this, so the scrolling on the bottom, that's that's an honest cipher. That's not a stuttering sheep. <laughs> but the good thing is once you start to once you start to know if you see this, you can immediately go, okay, I think I know where we're going with this, possibly. Right. So if you see something and it's it's straight up just two letters, and it doesn't matter what the two letters are, they can be Q and P. Right. right. But if all you saw was QQQPP, QQQQQ, PPPQP, right, and you got a two-digit alphabet of yeah. whatever the case may be, you've got some style of a Baconian cipher, okay. right? And, gotcha. and um, you know, Francis Bacon developed it back in the day, and it's it's no different than simple binary for what is the you know, I, 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 or right. Uh, oh, 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 right. <laughs> zeros and ones, zeros and ones, uh, yeah, yeah. zeros and ones for binary. I said, I, it should be a one. Let's yeah. See. Somebody, somebody will get me here in the chat room here in a second. There you go. Um, but, and they all come in. Each letter is its own unique five, five digit long deal. So B A A B B is one letter, five letters in this is one distinct letter in the end. So, um, you know, so just know that going in that if you look at it and there are only two characters in the ciphertext, regardless of what they are, more than likely at some point you have some Baconian style cipher. So that would be one letter. That's one letter. That's one letter. Okay, gotcha. Makes sense. Which it can be very, I mean, you can go, you can really kind of, I mean, obviously, you can make it really difficult because you can so, take that and be the first letter of a, a sentence, a five, you know, have a sentence that's five, five words, and it starts with a B and goes to an A or whatever. Right. And so look at this, Gary. We'll oh man, which one is this? It's gonna be this one, I think. Okay. So this one's not a good cipher if you're in the military and you gotta get something to the front line and they have to decipher it on the fly <laughs> real quick. Right. Yeah, not not something good. But if you look in this, so this is your geocaching toolbox.com. Right. And it's your bacon cipher. Yep. Right. So here's your standard I equals J and U equals V. Or if you click on this, there's the second V2, which is distinct values. 
So when you look down here at the bottom, here's your um, – so there's your B-A-A-B-B. -B. Oh, okay, right, and it translates to a letter. To a letter. Now, if you – let's look at this other one. Ooh. So B-A-A-B-B. B-B translates to a completely different letter. So the first one was a T. Right. In this alphabet, it's either a U or a V. Gotcha. Right? So that's where we said knowing which alphabet to use will tell you which ciphertext you need to be doing. Right? And so let me see if I can find where you... So I guess there are times, and this happens to you guys probably a lot, which is where... You feel confident that you're down, going down the right path, but possibly you run into a situation like this where you're like, I know I'm on the right track. I need to try it. If there's, in this case, there's a couple of different versions. I need to not abandon all hope, but I need to try the versions that I'm on, the possibilities before I go back to square one. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because with just two letters there, you've gone from, a bazillion different kind of ciphers, you're narrowed down to two. More than likely, right. So if you take the, the text that we had scrolling at the bottom yep. and put it in here, if you use the the 24-character alphabet, this is your output. Right. right. But that doesn't say anything. That's right. that difference that we were talking about. Yep. If you if you sat here and flopped that, right? Yep. Now now it makes something that's readable. There's no substitute for bacon. Oh, gotcha. See? Right. And so the other side to this is that you can swap your A's and your B's. So there are really four alphabets to this. If you swapped your your A's and B's, it comes out to some other text, <laughs> right? And then you do that with the V2, even though that we know the V2 is what was used to create this. Yeah. If you swap your A's and your B's around, it's so if, again, going back to, if you know that you have, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that inverse bacon cipher. So if you know that you have two, Two digits, regardless what it is, A's and B's, P's and Q's, right? Um, you know, ones and zeros, right? You can plug it into this Bacon cipher, and if for whatever reason it doesn't make sense, check the check mark and see if they did a, a inverse. Tweak it a little bit. Tweak it a little bit. I mean, the, again, these are all just tools to help you, um, you know, figure out what you're what you may be dealing with, right? And and it's a way of helping you figure out. What were you say? What's that, Tom? I was gonna say, Gary. Yeah, you did hit on something. I was gonna say, yeah. You know, I said a minute ago that that narrowed it down to two. Well, that narrowed it down to two bacon ciphers because as I sat here and thought, with two characters, it could also be Morse code or true. Or what's that Bodal code that looks kind of like Morris, but it's not. And right. But still, you've narrowed it down, okay, to four or five, but instead of the bazillion you had to start with. 
Yeah, and I think that, I think the thing that I always I used I used to abandon all hope too quickly on a couple things. One is I need to remember that it's got to the point is to get to a coordinate. So with that in mind or some or something that's going to translate into a coordinate. Like if they put in our, in our case in our part of the world it's typically north and west. So if the word north comes up, then I feel like, oh, I, I might have, I might be on to something. You know, I might be going down a correct path. Right. And that was something that I brought up in the, at the very end of the first show yeah. was know your home coordinates or the coordinates for where you're trying to solve the puzzle. Because if in the end, what you get to is a in, you know, if you know that the home coordinates are supposed to be north 107. Right. Then you know at some point that whatever you're deciphering needs to end up with an N107. Right. You know, or N1007, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, But if you've deciphered something and you've gotten to that point, keep running with it at some level because there's, uh, you're on the right track for something. Right. I don't say go ahead and finish it because sometimes I've seen some where, you know, people do it and how you're really supposed to do this stuff and spell things wrong, add extra letters. I've seen it where they've done it and spelled it backwards Ooh, or did yeah. it in a foreign language. And Oh yeah, that's true. So that's smart. So, so even when you think, well, I'm, I'm coming up with gibberish to start with, keep going. Or as Charles pointed out at the beginning of the show, sometimes it's a double cipher, and that gibberish you come up is a start for the next cipher. Right. No, that's good. Excellent, excellent. Um, Yeah, so, all right, so I guess moving on from there, once you've realized that, all right, so you can take all of these Baconian-style ciphers and throw them out the window because you've got more than just two characters in your cipher text. But what happens if you have five or six letters in your ciphertext, right? Yeah. But it's the same five or six letters, right? So what happens when, uh, you know, the letters that you have, let me see if I can find where this is. While you're looking and, at Lyndon didn't bring up a, a good, good point is that it doesn't have to be north and west. It could be a UTM, which we'll eventually get into, although there's. It, yeah. And so in that, and and I, you know, it, I, I mean, I like UTM because I spent 10 years in the army. And so being able to, to read that and know that that's a, you know, a right. 10 digit coordinate and that's going to get me plus or minus one meter somewhere in the world. Um, I understand that most people, when they sit there and look at UTM coordinates, they ain't got a clue. Right. They just right. don't. It's not something that we use. Right. Or another format. So the puzzle that I was helping the cashier in California look at um, was decimal format. Right. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even decimal degrees. It was straight up, you know, 39 point. Oh, right. One, 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 right. Minus, you know, one of seven. Right. This, 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 right? And so you then had to, once you deciphered the puzzle and got your coordinates from it, you then had to transpose it into 
another coordinate format that you may really understand. Right. Uh, most people don't understand UTM because it's not something, I mean, that's something that the military uses. Search and yeah. Rescue uses it. But it's right. almost exclusive to a very small niche part of the general population that even knows what what a UTM coordinates are used for, you know, or who uses them day in and day out. Right. Um, the good part is the good part is I was going to say real quick is that well, I first learned it just because I happened to see it on a cash page. So yeah, that helps. And, I on, guess. <laughs> and, and the UTM coordinates are on every cash page. Yeah. And your Garmin or your, um, GPS unit device, whatever you may have. I was drawing a blank on what some of the other, <laughs> since, since Garmin's kind of or, uh, or, worldwide or, or, and handheld devices now. Yeah, Garmin, or uh, I was in Oregon, but that's a Garmin too. But Magellan's what you're Magellan. Magellan's, right. So the, the different manufacturers, all of their um, GPS devices, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got one of those. Still, and it works now, but I still have it. Um, but uh, in fact, I've got a couple of these right here on my desk. Yep. Um, because I've offered them to some brand new cachers um, on a geocaching page that said we're looking at getting our first handheld device. I've got three of these, and so I've offered them up as long as they pay shipping on them, they work. I've got two Etrex Legends and this Etrex Vista. I'll just send it to you. You pay shipping, I'll send it to you. It doesn't cost you a dime. <laughs> so then you got a cool uh, yeah. I think that's we're we're gonna stay on ciphers tonight and codes, but that's for another show, Derek. We're gonna we'll get into UTM and other stuff uh down the road. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because I'd um, like to know. <laughs> yeah, really. That's good stuff. All right, keep going. I'm sorry. No, you're it's 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 all good. Um yeah. Let me see if I can. Uh, see if I can get a good picture of this. So, if you've got a a five or six digit character um, alphabet for whatever you're looking for, at some level, what you have is a version of a poly a polybius square cipher okay right? um, um let me see if i can find what i pulled up here wasn't the greatest polybius yeah polybius 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 <laughs> that's, that's easy for y'all to say <laughs> um, i think it's polybius but i'm just taking a shot i've shot. never had to say it <laughs> i know you saw it oh there it is um, so this yeah, is going to be the first one where, I thought about when you said four digit thing was a DNA cipher and that uses just, I think GCA and TN. I never, yeah, I never thought of about that being a, the, the poly <laughs> thing. <laughs> I can't even uh, say it. Polysybilis. Polybius. Yeah. That thing. And I'm trying to say it is a venereal disease. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so here, let me, uh, let me, you're fine. 
share this with you. Okay. So here's your square cipher. Right. Right. And so what it gives you is it'll give you one, one, which equals a, right. right? Or it'll give you, um, three, two, which will equal an N, right? Oh, so okay. to, to do this, you, you do your up and down first and then your left to right second, right? Oh, okay. So four, so four, one would be S, right? Oh, okay, which is gotcha. the very first five, one would be Y. Start right. with start with rows and then go to columns. Right. So, um, so if you right. see if you see a bunch of two digit things, this is a possibility then. Right. So the other side to this is, um, let me get rid of that. So the other, and you're probably heading there. The other very similar thing is tap tap. Tap Looks tap. Like we're going one to six. It's one to five. Tap tap. Right. So that was right. So pretty much. A, uh, um, I gotta look that one up. I think you're making that one up, Tom. Tom. So the no, 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 cipher, no. Um, hey, the there is square cipher was invented by Colonel Fritz Nebel, N E B E L, in 1918. And it was used as a field text uh, cipher, a field cipher by the German army. Um, oh, okay. And at some level, this is kind of a complex, it can be a complex cipher because you can have a code word at the very first of it. So whereas, okay. in, whereas in this one, one was a, what they would do is put their code word in at the first Right. And so your code word may be, you know, whatever Panzer, right, is invented by Germans. Right. So you may be P-A-N-Z-E-R, maybe your first six letters. And then you go to your regular alphabet after that and you skip the letters that were used in your code word. Oh, okay. And so sometimes it can, this can be, and and this is the hard part about this is that if you go on to um, Google Images and just put in that you want to look at a Polybius square cipher, right. right, and and look at all of the different images that pop up, they have it where the numbers are integrated with the letters, Ooh. and it's all over the place. There's no – so that's the hard part about this is you've got to know which which square you're working off of. Um, and so this can be a really complex cipher, but like Tom said in the beginning, this thing, when you get it is, is you've got to go through and decipher it letter by letter by letter, four, one, five, one, three, one, three, one, right. And decipher it all out. And if you use a different code word in there for all of this, it can really take a long time to decipher a message if you need to do it with a quickness. Okay. Uh, and Gary, the chat room's caught on. So I wasn't pulling your leg with tap, tap. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a legitimate thing. So not only was it just numbers, it was, you know, you're using your 
tapping on the wall or, yep. or if a guy was out in the yard sweeping, it, it's, you know, somebody sweeps left, so many right, you know. And, oh, wow, yeah. See, or, or blinking, you know. That, yeah, that, that's that, true. That way they could communicate with each other and the guards wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Right. I love it. That's interesting. I know we mentioned this one. This is a good site, too, for ciphers as Rumpkin. You might be able to kind of fl- go down the list, maybe, and kind of try different things. That's what I started with, was that and Wiki and Google. Okay. But but when I I got with this and I was still learning stuff, I'd just take the the stuff and run it through everything until I found one that hit, you know. Right. Or got close. Got close, yeah. Square. Yeah. So if you put that into Google, you'll get a million image results back from it. So you just kind of, if you're going to make one of these, you know, you need to try to do a fairly standard one unless you're going to offer some hint as to which, you know, different alphabet you used for, um, for your puzzle when you created it. Right. Yeah, and I, I talked about I think on the very first show is for being a newbie at it. I created a uh, a puzzle, but I made the mistake of using what I thought at the time was an okay website, but it turned out that the, the the site went away, and so people would come along and go, oh, "Okay, let me go to the let me go to your website that you've given us to use, you know, as a as part of the." part of the cash page and it's like, well, does it come up? It's like, well, where do I go now? So I had people contact me and it was like, Oh no, I'll go fix it. So I had to find something that was more uh, stable, I guess. So you had to be careful, I guess. (laughs) Well, and with this, I know that I was gone on the last show and I know that y'all talked about this, but I hate puzzles that use Wikipedia as a source. Sure. Cause they change because any end user in Wikipedia can get in and edit it. Right. And once it's been edited, then what you started with in the beginning is now garbage. It's yeah. not worth the, it's not worth anything because your, your data, your, your data source all of a sudden changed. Not worth so, the paper it was printed on. Yeah. There's a puzzle here in San Antonio that actually depends on that. It uses Wikipedia, but the coordinates are on an older page and you, you've got to know, you know, what Wikipedia page to look for to begin with, you know, what subject and then what date version you need. Cause it was changed and then it was changed back. You know, whoever had the page thought what's this garbage and changed it back to the, to what they had. Right. But the old page with the coordinates is still there. You can still see it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the one I used was this one, which was an ADF GVX. GVX. So that's the same. That's going to be the same thing. Now, I, I, there's a there's some interesting facts about this. Do you know why those six letters were picked for deciphering, for creating the, the your rows and columns? I do not know that. That's a good question because uh, – I found it someday. I'm trying to remember. It's, it's, but why do they use that? Why do they use ADF GVX for people that are listening and are not watching? 
Um, I know. Tom, do you know? I, if I did, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, do you know? I don't think I do know. I, I think I did at the time, maybe, but I don't remember what 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 it was. You it was was it? Uh, I, I have a note here that was Lieutenant George Painvin. Uh huh. Is where the is it was a was part of my part of my what do you, you know part part of the clue on the cash page. So I'm assuming that something in French. Uh, it's because those letters, when translated by Morse code, oh, are distinctly different from each other. Oh, okay. And so there's no mistaking. Was that a A or was that a B? Right. Oh, they nice. are so vastly different from each other that there's going to be no confusion down the down the wire somewhere when it's sent over Morse code. So that's why those particular six letters were picked was because they're so vastly different when being sent via Morse code. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The ADF GVX cipher was a field cipher used by the German army on the Western front during World War One was in fact an extension of an earlier cipher called ADF GX. It was just right. It was expanded, but yeah. Right. So it was expanded by one letter for what? Add numbers. Add oh, numbers. add numbers. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So you, got a, you got a 26, roughly 26 letter alphabet in English. You extend that from a five by five, 25 square to a six by six, 36. Yeah. Now you, account for zero through nine right? right right where if you had the adfgv you only have enough room for 25 characters which is usually a through z where you either combine u and v right or you combine i and j gotcha gotcha Tip- typically that's how that works nice um, not, not always the case but typically so um the other thing to that is that if you're working on something and you're counting the different characters, okay. right? You end up with 25 characters in your ciphertext. Okay. More than likely, you're going to end up with something in this group, the Playfair, Foursquare, right. Bifid, Ciphers. The, those all have 25 characters right. in, their, in their alphabet that's used. And so if you're sitting there looking at your ciphertext and you're like, there's no Q in any of this. So I only have 25 characters out of my 26 character alphabet. It's probably not don't, don't hold my feet to the fire on this, (laughs) but more than likely it's going to fall into this genre of um, types of ciphers. right? Right. It's typically a box style, I guess you could say versus a string. Right. Is that a way to put uh, it? Yeah. yeah, and there and and these can be as complex as uh, people want them to be as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Ed mentions about CryptoCrack is another one very useful software in addition to the the websites. Cool. All right. Uh, and then in the end, if you've got 26 characters in your ciphertext, you've got some type of mono or polyalphabetic cipher. 
right? That's your Route 13, your Caesar Shift ciphers. Right. Um, you've got some version of that um, where it's their simple substitution or Shift ciphers or columnar transposition ciphers. There's a whole host of them right. that fall into that mono and polyalphabetic ciphers. Um, and so you just kind of got to figure out, um, you know, you just, but if you can sit there and look at it and say, I've got every letter in the alphabet, it kind of, it, it, it rules out a couple of things. There's no more Playfair, Foursquare, or Bifid ciphers. There's no more Bacon cipher. There's, uh, you know, there's no knock, you know, tap code stuff. There's no, um, if there's 26, you're saying, right. There's no, uh, Polybius square, right? So if you've got all 26 characters in your alphabet, at least in the English alphabet, right down there, um, then you can rule all the rest of those ciphers out and you're like, all right, so I know that this big giant chunk <laughs> doesn't apply. Move on and to another, right. Move on to some other type. That doesn't mean that what you're going to end up with in the end is going to help you. <laughs> it may not. Sure. Right. Because you may sit there and say, all right, so we've gotten rid of all of these, but now I've gone from 40 different ciphers to 29. Right. right. Sure. Have you, have you really helped yourself out? At some level, yes, because yeah. you've gotten rid of 11 of these really hard ones. Now you got to start whittling through the rest of these to figure out which one's which. Right. So, and then the last thing that at least that I've got in the show notes for this is that if your text consists of a mix of uppercase letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and ends at the very end of your string of random uppercase, lowercase, and numbers, at the very end of that string, if it ends with an equal sign, Ooh. you have some type of base 64 encoded message. Right? Oh, interesting. So somewhere in that base code 64 genre of ciphers, because all of the ciphertext will end with an equal sign. So if you're looking at a random string of crazy letters and numbers and you're sitting there like, how's that work? Um, then, you know, that's, that's how you end up with it, that you've got some type, as long as it ends with an equal sign, you've got some type of base 64 encoded um, cipher that you're working off of. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, and I had a question to pose to you guys if you've ever seen this or if this is I mean I guess there's nothing nothing is too evil for geocachers, right? But uh, I had I had um I had seen somewhere where somebody had done this. I've been watching a lot of video videos lately, so I'm kind of uh it's all jumbling in my head, but I kind of like this idea. It's sneaky. And maybe that's not the best thing for somebody who doesn't know how to solve a lot of these is to make them sneaky. But what do you guys think of this idea? A cipher then decodes to another cipher. Or to say, like in my example, the guy gave was beep and beep with more ease so that it becomes Morse code. 
Yep, I've seen stuff like that. <laughs> That's just evil. There's a number of caches up in Colorado, um, out on the front range, that are like that. That um, the guy calls them twofers. Twofer. You're going to have two different ciphers that you're going to have to figure out. And sometimes he'll give you a hint on one and sometimes he won't. Um, or he may give you a hint on the second part of it, but not the first part. So you don't know if what you decoded right. actually is going to work in the end because you, you just you don't know what the, what the first cipher was. So you're trying stuff and then plugging it into what the second one may be. Um, you know, and, um, you know, so who knows? I've had one that was done similar to that and I, I put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, the dog one, the dog one. So I'll bring it up on the in banner so you can keep talking about it. Go ahead. So what you got was I, I got a cash page that the, the, Cash was a single one word title for the for the cash page, right? In this case, it was dog. And then it brought up this text of foreign language, right? Right. Um, this foreign language, if you don't know what it says, we have websites for that. So let's go to. Interesting. Yeah, because I don't know what I would do with the dog part. I'd be like, what? So let's go into this and show this. And so if you didn't know what it was, but you needed to detect the language. Right. You put that in, right? It's going to tell you that, oh, it detected German. Right. right. And so... It gives you your your translation, and right. then the second part of that cache page brought up a Morse code um, text that you had. And so, let's see, Gary, if you can. I put it in the show notes. The Morse code text. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up on the banner here, just so people can see it as well. So interesting. <laughs> so right. So so that's the code that it brings up, and, okay. and that's one code. Um, sometimes uh, let me get rid of. All right. So when you do some of this, when you bring up this, uh, well. So when you bring up this Morse code yep. and you paste in your Morse code to text, it gives you this gibberish here. Oh, okay. Right? And so that's what this cache page did. It, it gave you a foreign language in the example I'm giving. It's German. And so Morse code, then it gives you this. Which you think at that point you screwed something up. Right, because it's coded into gibberish right, right. And so, I, think, uh, I gotta start over i got i did something wrong right there's something not right here so it, this is part of that two well if you know that there are two a code and a cipher that you're working with Correct. right 
then you know that you have to do something with this gibberish. Um, and so if we got rid of that, but brought up, um, So at this point, would you guys have determined that dog is no longer needed? Or do you think that you would go, I'm putting that in my back pocket. And I might need it for later. You put that in your back pocket because why did he put dog there? Okay. Right. Especially. And so that was the name of the, the cash page that I was working on for this. So in this you realize at some point that this is a visionaire cipher and that in a visionaire cipher, you need a keyword, right? Right. So this is where dog comes into play. Oh, he provided it for, I mean, as long as you gotcha. Maybe, but look at what the result came out as. Oh no. But what do we know about the cash page? Right. What do we know? What was, what language? to the decipher oh it came out and it was german so what is dog in german oh uh, right is hound or hund t-u-n-b and all of a sudden now when you type in the correct language for the code word dang it (laughs) you will find the cash at n38 Two nine one. Nice. Right. And and so there's your there's your decoding of this wow. down the way. So uh, people can be as evil as or as nice as they want, but almost everything, if if you're a if the cash page was put together correctly, I say correctly. Sure. If it was put together methodically. Right. Everything is a hint. Yeah. The cash title, the hint that they give you, the language that is used in the cash page, the location. I've got one that where I've got a puzzle cache. Wow. Uh, where yeah. everything in the cache is a everything in the cache is a is a Clue. hint. Uh, I tell you that the given coordinates are not where the cache is, but it's a good place to sit and ponder over how to solve it. Well, <laughs> you on a park bench, right? I give you coordinates, get, take you to a, a park, park bench on a public street corner, right? And sitting right above you at the, the, my puzzle for this is based off of flags. Okay. Right. Right. But it sits you at the base of a flagpole. Oh, gotcha. Right. And so sometimes everything is it could be a hint. Um right. Lindy brings it brings this up. Uh Lyndon, sorry. Uh yep. unless you're including red herrings. Oh, and that that drove me insane. If you're new, like when I when I first started, I know you guys probably I'll be honest, red herrings turned me off to puzzle caches for quite a while. I had they're, they're good red herrings though that they'll let you know that you I mean you figured something out but they'll let you know you did something wrong. 
Yeah, and that's something that I think, looking back on it now, I kind of gave up too quickly um, as far as that goes. But, um, you know, I, I, I should have realized that I shouldn't have given up as quick as I did, but I mean, I I was really I was in, I was really into this puzzle cache, and I was into and something y'all will talk about in, in another show. That's for another show, which is the HTML code. I got all the way in the HTML code, and I was, you know, monkeying around in there, and I was able to kind of decipher this and decipher. All of a sudden, and I, oh, I've got I got plain text. It says, "Very good, you have found the red herring for this geocache or whatever it was." And it's like. Yeah. Like, well, screw this. I'm done. I'm out. And I just quit on that particular cast. Well, like, you learned something though. I did. I did. I know. But I was right. I was frustrated and I gave up. Um and and there are some we've got a a couple of cash owners out here that hide a bunch of um puzzles and they give you one of this guy's, he's got a series of them. They've got a red herring in each one of them somewhere. Right. You just right. don't know what it is. Sure. Um, I, you know, I I don't necessarily like the red herring in the puzzle side. Yeah. I definitely like the red herring in the cash finding side. Right. You know, I've got one that is an ammo can. It's up at above 10,000 feet in the mountains. Wow. It's. It's a traditional cache, so nothing puzzle related to it. Right. But I tell you in the hint that it is at the base of a tree covered by a pile of rocks. Right. Well, where it takes you is to a tree that's fallen over. Right. And it has several other trees alongside it. And at the base of every one of those trees, I have gone out and put a giant pile of rocks. Oh, no. So you have to look in every <laughs> pile of rocks, rocks until you realize that it's at the base under it's underneath the tree that's fallen over. So the tree's fallen over and the ammo cans way down here at the base covered by down by the root ball covered by a pile of rocks. Nice. Uh, that's where I like my red herrings, especially on a puzzle. Yeah. Right. You, 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 because if you have worked that hard to get through some of a couple of my puzzles, I'm not going to, the hide, the finding the hide is not going to be hard, right? But I've got somewhere, it may be an easy puzzle to solve, but actually finding the cash or getting your hands on the cash um, is a whole nother ball of wax. So I I like red herrings, but I don't like them in the cash page. You can make the, the cipher, the puzzle, the whatever you're working on hard enough that you don't need a red herring in the cash page. I prefer to put mine out physically right. in the world. Physically. Yeah. You know, think, Gary, take us about a week to find that one of his. Cause we'd have to get up there for three or four days and just get used to the lack of oxygen. <laughs> exactly. I'd die on the way up. But I would, like you said, I would need to acclimate before I could find that cash. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I've got several that are, up above 13,000 feet here sure. in Colorado. It's hard to get a, a it's hard to get a physical cache higher than about 13 right. 16 8 um 
most of the fourteeners is most of the fourteeners are in a wilderness area. Oh, so you're okay. able to have a physical cache in a wilderness area. If it was placed way back in the day, then they've grandfathered it and let it stay. Right. Uh, there's one at the top of Mount Sneffels that's a 14er here locally. It's the closest one to me. Right. And there's a, there's a geocache at the very top of it, smack dab in the middle of a wilderness area. So, um, but it's super old. Um, but yeah. Um, right. but I've put some up um, about as high as I could get without being in a wilderness area out here. That's just part of geocaching in Colorado. Right. Yeah. It all is yeah. different. Yeah. Each state check out, check your local state or your local province or whatever you're living in for proper placement. All of them uh, in my area, you don't have to worry about oxygen. <laughs> Unless you go to the, is there one in the river, San Antonio river you think? No, there's none in the river here. Okay, good. That's good to hear. So, uh, another thing that Tom has in the show notes, and I don't know how you would get that um, into the banner at the very bottom of it. He put, um, he's got some stuff, so you'll be able to see it in the show notes. Yeah. But he has the geocache is located at, and then he has it ciphered in different, um, That's different. Different alphabets, interesting. Using different ciphers, and it gives you the code words for the Playfair, the Visionaire, um, and whatnot. So he gives you the code words that you need to decipher it. Real you know what it's supposed to say, right? Um, you know, but it, it, that's kind of neat for people to be able to look at and say, "Oh, all right." So it at least gives you some. Uh, something to look at and go off of and say, Oh, well, this is what a Playfair is going to end up looking like, or this is what a, this cipher is going to end up looking like in the end. Um, right. So your Playfair with the keyword is trackable, gives you that RGB IBQ. Right. Right. That string of text at the end of that is, is a Playfair cipher. And you, you've got to know the, the let's see if i can modify uh, that yeah that didn't copy very well no it didn't i was gonna see if i could try to try to fix a little bit but <laughs> it doesn't always work that way edit and, and and this by no means you know and i'm sure tom will agree this by no means is all of them oh not even close you know i mean we're we're see it. We're, we're barely scraping the cream off of the, the top of the yep. container, you know, there's, there's a lot of this that, you know, will, will just knock your socks off. So, you know, it, it depends on your, your level of difficulty. You might want to do something like that. Maybe if, if your area is like my area, there aren't any, so I'm almost, almost, almost didn't want to put out the one I did, knowing that only a handful of people might even try to find it. And sure enough, that's what it was. So I guess maybe if you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of puzzle caches, maybe start with something simple, or just to try to get local cachers to kind of get their feet wet 
Yeah, start simple and build the interest. Yep, I like it. Yeah, um, my area didn't have it, – it had a couple of puzzle caches in it. Uh, you know, one of the local guys had, you know, had some puzzles here, there, and whatnot. Um, and, and they didn't get found very often. Looking back at it, you know, once we figured out what what was what with them, right. we'd go out to look at them and be like, oh, well, this hasn't been found in like – three years. So, mm -hmm. you know, or this thing was placed in 2013. And, uh, when we found it, we were the second and third name on the log sheet. Wow. Yeah. So we have some of them around here, but not a bunch of people went to look for them. So I did the same thing. I put out five different puzzle caches here where I live. Um, and they've all been consistently found by the same guy. Right. But, and, and he's just hit the thousand mark for fines. And so he's super excited. Um, in fact, he just found my new Colorado County challenge cash. That's up at 13,500. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, that, that finally, it sat all winter covered in snow yep. and finally had FTF. a couple of people go and find it. So nice. Um, but uh, he's the only one that's gone out for the most part and found these puzzle caches that I have in town. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's based on the community that you have around you. Yeah. Um, where I was living in Wyoming, plenty of people would stop for the puzzle caches. Sure. Uh, where I live at here in Colorado, uh, not so much. Not as many. Well, hopefully we can all come up with – if we don't have a lot in our area, maybe come up with some sort of creative thought as to why, as to possibilities. I mean, once we get past what we're in right now, um, you know, maybe an event, which is all puzzles and just kind of maybe, maybe that'll draw people in to, you know, maybe do them together. I'm just trying to think of different ways to maybe get people, what are some things, Tom, you, that you guys have done to, down there to, to maybe get more interest in puzzles? Every couple of years, we have a puzzle-solving class. Okay. Uh, where it's just a, an event that we have. And then um, one of the locals for a while was doing a monthly puzzle event where we talk about puzzles. You know, we weren't, this is how you solve this one. It was, here's the hints to get you started. Right. Yeah. I like it. Linda mentioned about having an FTF trophy cache. The, the vast majority of caches are puzzles. Get your name on the trophy. You know, there's different. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, different thoughts. So it's like the giant Stanley Cup for yeah. Cache and you get your, get your scratched in right. in the inscribed. In All right. Um, yeah, and we did something like that in Colorado. We had some puzzle Zoom meetings. Um, at the very beginning of the stay-at-home stuff, yeah, people all got online and said, "I'm having a problem with this puzzle," and uh, they would give you hints on how to solve it. They wouldn't, unless it was one of those where you went and clicked on the cache page and you got the little. This image is hosted on Tiny Image, you know, and the yeah. URL is no longer. They would give you the codes for the final for that because it's an unsolvable puzzle at that point right 
right? So if somebody had solved it, they would, and they'd go through and tell you, well, it was a this and you had to do this with it and this, this, this. And that's one of the reasons why Groundspeak is starting to host all of their own images on their site so that stuff like this doesn't just go away. Sure. And so then when you have a zombie cache that's out there, you know, so they're trying to keep that part of it alive. Um, There've been a host of earth caches out in our area that the same thing. It was, you had pictures on the cache page, but the cache, for whatever reason, the pictures went away. So then you couldn't answer the questions because you didn't know what you were looking at. Right. You know? And so, um, you yeah. know, one of the things I've done in the past is when I'd solve a puzzle and I didn't want to go find it by myself, I'd drag somebody along with me. Yep. You know, just for safety stuff. Right. And on the way to the cash, they'd have to suffer listening to me telling them how I solved the puzzle. <laughs> nice. That, that's your payment for getting a free smiley, you know. That's right. They gotta he- yeah. gotta hear you talk about it. Cool. Well, what are some? Uh, I guess maybe a final thought, and then we'll wrap up for tonight until next next Tuesday. Well, look at the look at the cache notes because we you know i say i've got yeah. that thing in there where it shows just the geocache is located at and it's in different cipher types yeah. so give you a hint of what some of them look at yeah i'll get it up on the website soon but that first tool we talked yeah. about tonight that that thing is the bomb that thing is awesome that, that is a good one yeah that box that box I whatever website yeah where was that 15 years ago you know <laughs> years ago. That's funny. So well, good, good deal. And I guess in the, you know next week we're going to talk about codes, but I guess in the future we'll come back and talk about um, you know the keywords. Where would you hide a keyword? How yeah, because that's important. Because with the, the cipher that uses the keyword, if you don't have the keyword, you're kind of out of luck. You're, you're kind of out of luck. Well, you could be out of luck because there's some that'll solve it for you without the thing, but it, it's nicer to know the keyword and do it right. Yeah, I think that fits into a a, a, a show of where to hide it. <laughs> well, where can you hide things? I think that's a good, that fits really well, I think, into where are places you can hide something on a cash page or... Somewhere else. I mean, I don't know. Well, I, that's like I said. That's, that'd be a good. I think that would be a good show. That'd, that'd be a good four or five partner show because there's a lot of places. <laughs> there are lots. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good deal. Well, guys, awesome as awesome as 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 always. So. And I would like to thank everybody who stuck on to the end instead of going and watching Road Trip, which is. What I'm going to do as soon as we hang up. (laughs) I taped it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because apparently they do some geocaching. Barsky got micro app geocaching. So looking forward to seeing that. I I was hoping Barsky would be on the show tonight because I want to know what he ran over at the ranch and who had to for it. Yeah, Yeah, really. We'll have to have him on some night. Ranch with a small R. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all soon. We'll see you next Tuesday for Code Talk, kind of. <laughs> Puzzle Talk. Some I've come with. We'll have come up with some clever name for code for for talking about codes. Talking about some codes. All right. Good night, everybody. I didn't know.